Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on Ready to Unload with Tal and Sam Pete. Welcome to the show on November 2nd, 2010. And we have got a ton to talk to you about tonight. We're going to get it started talking about the Jets right off the top of the show as they crap the bed this weekend at the New Meadowlands, losing to the Packers. And then we're going to talk about the Mets. They have hired a general manager. Cal and I are ready, foaming at the mouth, to talk about Sandy Alderson the new Mets GM, who will they hire as manager, what is going on. Then we're going to talk a little bit about the Yankees, the World Series, are Yankee fans as bad as the owner of the Texas Rangers makes them out to be, he's got some chutzpah calling them out, and we'll talk about Derek Jeter, we'll touch on Derek Jeter, what will they do with Derek Jeter, he's up for a contract, give him the keys to the stadium, and then we're going to talk about the... Uh, the fun load, we're going to get into a little bit of like when your team has a terrible weekend, or all your teams, terrible weekend, what do you do on Monday? How do you get past it? Do you go walk the dog? Do you get yourself a Sunday? Do you get drunk? That might be what Sam Pisa. We'll also hear from the Swami, a.k.a. Count Broccoli, a.k.a. He's home, he's coming with another name tonight because of his poor performance last week. We'll talk to Dave Rutley from FFAdvisor.com in the Fantasy 5 spot. We missed Dave last week. We need him back. And we'll take your calls, 424-220-1817, the number to call. It is Tuesday night, it is 9 p.m. We are Callan Sampete and Dr. Ray Sat, and we are ready to unload. And good evening here on Election Day. Hope you all voted. I know I did. I'm not going to ask my co-hosts if they voted. It's rude. You're not supposed to do it rude. Uh, but uh, welcome to the show here on November 2nd, 2010. Let me welcome in my co-host, my partner in crime, the inimitable. That means he's unable to be imitated. Brian Calvi. How are you, Brian? I'm good. You can ask me if I voted. That's fine. I will not. I think that's a personal question. That's I, like a, It's a don't ask, don't tell. I just don't want you to ask me how old I am. <laughs> That's all. I did. I did vote. Yes, as did I, and uh, it, it, I think it's uh, everybody's right. And we're not going to get on the soapbox this early about voting. This is a sports show, folks. <laughs> but uh, I think it's, it feels good to to vote. It's like for some Catholics, it's like going to church. You yeah. know, when you haven't been in a long time, you really didn't enjoy it. It's kind of a pain in the butt, but you feel better after you do it. Yeah, it was weird. I walked out of the polls, and and I, I had a smile on my face for some reason. Yeah, you, you exercised your franchise, Cal. I guess so. You're you're enfranchised. You're like a McDonald's. You're enfranchised. Uh, and the McRib is back. So, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. Everybody. Let's welcome in <laughs> the producer of the show, the man behind the glass, the man behind the mask, Leonardo DiCaprio, no, Dr. E. Ray Stat, the greatest statistician this side of the... Of- of the Northern State. Welcome, Dr. Ray. Well, how you doing, guys? And I also rocked the vote tonight. 
Did you, there we go. <laughs> did you go MTV style and rock the vote? Yeah, this, sorry, I thought it was 1992. Sorry. <laughs> did Martha Quinn tell you to rock the vote? It was yes, Tabitha Soren, I think. <laughs> I always took my voting advice from Kennedy. Actually, personally, that was me. Well, we, we have got a lot to get to tonight, fellas. It seems like it's kind of a dead time of the year. The World Series ended yesterday, right, Cal? Yes. But uh, but we're knee-deep in football season. We are uh, a, a hot stove started. The stove is on, gentlemen. The stove is on big time for baseball, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. But we got to start at the top of the show with the New York football Jets. And, of course, throughout the show, we'll be taking your calls on anything you want to talk about in the world of sports, be it the Jets, the Giants, the Mets, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philadelphia Flyers. I had a shout-out from a friend of mine who wanted to talk hockey, wanted us to talk more hockey. Call in. We'll talk hockey. I found it coincidental that that friend is a Philadelphia Flyers fan, <laughs> and he called in two days after the Flyers pasted the Islanders 6-1. to Then he wrote to me on Facebook and said, you should talk more hockey. Yeah, easy to say when you pace my team. But uh, 424-220-1817, the number to call. We have... A ton to get to, Mets, Jets, uh, Yankees, Knicks. We're, we're talking about it all tonight. Let's start, Cal, with the gigantic turd that was left in New Jersey at the new Meadowlands Stadium. And uh, the Jets getting shut out for just the third time at home in 16 years, losing 9 nothing to the Green Bay Packers. To the Packers of Green Bay. Yeah. Uh, what, I was at the game, Cal. You watched the game. Well, we haven't, we haven't really talked about it a ton. Uh, it was Halloween. Makes well, it a difficult day to watch the game. That's kind of what I was going to say because I, I caught – I didn't catch all of it. I caught bits and pieces of it. I caught the important parts. We'll leave it at that. Okay, so you got the big the big moments. Oh, yeah. No, I, I got the parts that I wish I hadn't gotten. Yeah. Now, they lose this game 9 nothing, Cal, and the weird thing to me is if you had told me – at the beginning of the week, that they were going to hold the Packers to essentially six points and 237 yards offense. I would have signed for that in a heartbeat. I think you had to have. And to lose the game and to not score at all and lose the game 6 nothing or 9 nothing, but the three points at the end come because the Jets go for it on fourth down and give up uh, possession deep in their own end. Cal, what drives you crazy about this game, what drove me crazy about this game, and somebody had posted this on the gangrene, and I was saying it during the game at the game. Why was Brian Schottenheimer calling the game like they were down 21 nothing? Yeah, that, that was what was crazy to me and what I saw. Um, they just got away from the run way too early, and it seemed to me, now you were there at the stadium, the, the weather, the elements were not conducive to throwing the ball. Is that right? The wind was cray-cray. All right? The wind was crazy. Okay. Uh, at, at, you know, even though there's no open end anymore at the New Meadowlands, the flags in the end zone were blowing at each other. Hmm. So, like, you had uh, the end zone to my right. I was sitting on the visitor. I sit on the visitor sideline at about the 20-yard line, uh, line. The goalpost to my right, Cal, one flag is down. The other flag is blowing directly into the field. Then so you much go, for that. Right. Then you go to the other end. The opposite one is down, and the other one is blowing directly at the other goalpost. I mean, it was just ridiculous swirling winds. Um, and And – the idea of throwing the ball, what was it, 35 or 39 times? Maybe, Dr. Ray, you can look that up. I don't know what Sanchez's numbers were. But it was ridiculous. I started calling for Sean Green, you know, into the second quarter 
And they were down 3 nothing to the middle of the fourth quarter in this game. And Brian Schottenheimer's treating it like they have to make up three touchdowns. Why is that? Is it, is it, the, is it that their run, the run game was not working? Or, they didn't give, or did they not give it a chance to work? They did not give it a chance. And this is a quintessential problem that I have. And quintessential is way too big a word, Cal. But I'm going to use it anyway. Quintessential problem I have. Thank you, you're right. Right. So, so Sanchez is 16 of 38. Why is he throwing the ball 38 times in this game, in a 3 nothing game? I mean, it's ridiculous. It will, yeah, right. Green Bay threw for uh, 34 times, but Green Bay has a running game. Right. But, Cal, this is what happens with Schottenheimer. And I was talking to my brother about this yesterday, um, who, who <laughs> DVR'd the game to trick-or-treat with the kids and then turned it off. Couldn't watch <laughs> texted me later on that night. He's like, I'm watching the game. This is, and then like 20 minutes later, I got, I, I'm turning it off. This is ridiculous. But just real, real quick. My story is I also did the same thing. DVR the game so I could trick or treat with the kids, but made the mistake of wearing my jet Jersey to trick or treat. Uh, so the first house we took the kids to, obviously the guy that answers the, fo- the, the door. Oh yeah. Jets. Yeah. Sorry, man. Right. <laughs> So we talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show, the, the rules for DVRing and DVR sports etiquette. Right. And that guy just crapped all over them. I should have had it. I should have just had spoiler alert written all over my face. Right. We're going to get to, uh, I want to get back to Schottenheimer, the Schottenheimer point in a minute, but I do want to ask Dr. E. Ray because he, when we had that DVR show, Cal, you remember, he said like he didn't understand how we could DVR a game and then watch it later. Yeah, but Steve, he was planning on doing that this week. I know. I want to hear how it went. Dr. E. Ray, how did that it go? Complete, how did the, how did your test a, run work out? A complete and utter debacle. I um, <laughs> taped the game. I, didn't, I asked everyone that I came in contact with, please don't mention it. I got home, turned on the TV, just turned it on. To, to then go to the DVR, and immediately it was the last play of the game. Thing. And the Jets lose 9 nothing. So that this that. is wow. That's see, yeah. this is something we should have warned you about. Right. You had texted both of us that you're DVRing the game, and for the neophyte who's not used to DVRing the game and then watch, you gotta set it and then change the channel. Right. Or oh, I know. Or you you <laughs> hit the um you hit the DVR button before you turn the TV on, so that it gets you to the screen like the home page. Right. And, and learning you go to the battle. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> the uh, that's oh that's terrible. Ev, I'm sorry. That, that is, is brutal. that is bad. We've all been there though. Uh, all, all done it. We were no, all ro- nothing worse than that. We were all DVR rookies. I mean, I, I've got five years in with the machine. So yeah, you're you know, better now. Yeah, I know the ins and outs, the little tricks of the trade, the secret. <laughs> Getting back to Shoddy though, and the way he called this game for the Jets, and as I said, my, my brother and I were discussing this, Cal, and I wanted to see what you thought of this. Watching Schottenheimer for a couple of years now, there are games where I think he literally tries to outsmart himself. In that he he doesn't care if something's working. Right. If he put those plays in during the week because of something he saw on film, mm-hmm. he's going to use them. Right. And he's inflexible about adjusting to what the defense is doing to him. Well, you saw that in the Baltimore game, too. Yeah. He's so, so wildly inconsistent. So wildly inconsistent when it comes to calling a game. And you saw the, the Patriots game this season, uh, the Dolphins game, could not call two better games back-to-back. Couldn't. Right. 
Now, the last two weeks in the Denver game, you could say he didn't run the ball enough. Sunday, he definitely didn't run the ball enough. He went to Wildcat one too many times, actually two or three too many times. And the most alarming thing, Cal, was how absolutely unimaginative (laughs) these passing routes were. I have never seen so many flies. And and you, I'm sitting up, you know, seven rows from heaven. So I'm like breaking down game film high school style. (laughs) And I can see every route that every guy is running really well. I'm in in the catbird seat. Well, Steve, let me me ask you a question. Now, this has come up in the past how Rex Ryan's the head coach of this team. And Rex Ryan, all he cares about is the defense. At what point does Rex Ryan uh, bear some responsibility to insert him into this, into the, into the play calling, maybe not within the game, but certainly at halftime, have a conversation with your offensive coordinator and say, hey, listen, we've got to make some adjustments. Totally agree, Cal. Where, when does he, and and he, he had this problem last year, and what did he do about it? Nothing. No. This is a game where at halftime he should go into Schottenheimer and say, start running the ball. What are you doing? He talked a lot about, trying to be he acknowledged that that was something that he needed to work on and i think you're starting to see a theme with rex ryan is he kind of acknowledges the mistakes because he wants you know he wants to be the everyman and and everybody's human and everybody makes mistakes but he doesn't necessarily take the steps to correct those mistakes right he's not necessarily doing anything about it because you know what what happened on sunday we've seen this movie before yeah whether it be with especially, and we're going to get to uh, Steve Shakeweight Weatherford in a second. <laughs> but as far as making Great. adjustments that he says he's going to make, oh, I realize, you know, I I, I got to be, be concerned with more than just the defense. You know, well then do it. Right. That was a prime example of where he should have taken over that game and said to Schottenheimer, run the ball. And Cal, if I saw Sanchez take a five step drop, do a do a pump fake once. Mm-hmm. One more time, I was going to scream. I mean, I was at a football game, so screaming would have been fine. But that's not the point. Even louder. You would have it, that's right. I, they, I have never seen so many 35-yard double-move routes out of all three guys in the pattern. I mean, he had nowhere to go. Yeah. Plus, you know, the drops. Then you mission the drops, which obviously is not Rex Ryan's fault. No. But very very unimaginative passing game or passing attack for the Jets. Where's the rollout? You know, the kid throws better on the run. That is what he still does best. Okay, You had the one rollout play, I think, right, to uh, to Keller. Mm-hmm. You know, you got you to gotta move him around and do what he does best. It still seems like there are days where Schottenheimer wants him to be this Phillip Rivers. This five-step drop quarterback who's going to throw the ball all over the yard. He's never going to be that quarterback. He doesn't need to be. He doesn't need to be. And, you know, could he be more in love with LaDainian Tomlinson? Jeez. Yeah, I think that's the problem. I I think it's a problem, Cal. It's a huge problem. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with the way that LDT has played. Nothing wrong with the way Tomlinson played. He's been fantastic. Uh, he's, he's new legs, new life, but he should not get more than 12 carries in a game. Oh, in no. a game like that on Sunday, Sean Green needs to get 20 to 25 carries. Um, I have, I've been worried about this for the last few weeks. I don't want them to burn him out. Yep. 
Yep, absolutely. And the number to call, get in on this, the Jets, uh, anything in the NFL, whatever you want to talk about, 424-220-1817. The lines are open, and Dr. Iray is waiting to talk to you. Uh, but and, and Dr. Iray brings up a great point, and this is the big if uh, game, that if Santonio Holmes makes that catch on one of the six crossing routes he called the whole day, and then the ball game's over because he would still be running, Cal. That's true. There was nobody within – the nearest guy to him was on Route 3. The nearest defensive player was on Route 120. And that is far away. That is, for those of you who don't know the layout of the Meadowlands. If you're not familiar with New Jersey uh, transit. New Jersey. The roads. <laughs> that is far away. No, I mean, San Antonio Holmes, that's a touchdown. I know. Did you, did, Cal, did you see what he said about the ball dropping on him a bit? No, that I didn't see. Oh. What did he say? Holmes, boy, this Jet team, I mean, you'd think they're 2-5. and five. I know they're 5-2. and two, But they, they just, because they have talked so incessantly. Uh, we're going to get to that in a minute. You nitpick everything. So, Holmes, after the game, Sunday, Cal, says that he has a family emergency. I don't know if he had a family. Maybe he did. I hope he didn't. I hope he was lying. But he said he had a family emergency and wasn't going to talk to reporters. I and hope then, I hope he was telling the truth, but that everything was okay. Right. That's fine. <laughs> you up you up the ante on me there. That's where I'm going. But then he so then when they when he did answer questions about it yesterday and he talked about that pass. It's something to the effect, maybe uh, Dr. Ray can dig up this quote, but it was something about the ball dropping on him as if to sort of throw Sanchez under the bus a little bit. Yeah. You know, I turned around, and then the ball kind of dropped on me. Yeah, dropped into your hand, directly into your hand. Hit you in stride. Right. Directly. Well, I mean. Perhaps he thought it was dropping from higher. Hey, <laughs> Hey, look, when you have Braylon Edwards coming out and saying that the whole wide receiver core is too arrogant. And, and that's why they're dropping balls. Right. And Braylon Edwards is the voice of reason in the, re, in the receiver core. Well, he, he's the humble guy. Well, I, I saw that, and, and I forgot who it was that I saw that tweet that, that brought up a very good point. The guy who dropped the most balls on Sunday was Jericho Cotri, who is the right. least arrogant player on the team. That's right. So how the, does quietest, that, most, the quietest, most humble guy there. So how does that equate to Bray, what Braylon Edwards said, which was maybe we got a little arrogant as a receiver core, yeah. thinking that uh, we're just automatically going to catch stuff. Cal, another point to bring up when we're talking about this Rex Ryan um, not learning from mistakes or being responsible or whatever. Did you see, by the way, Cal, did you see Dungy? Oh, God, yeah. I wow. Mean, enough. Tony Dungy, enough is on a personal crusade against Rex Ryan. I think it's personal now. I, I don't know. You think? I think it's really gotten to the point where it's personal. I, what happened, uh, Steve Weatherford, the, the Jets punter, decided on a third or a fourth and 18 from his own 20 that he was going to run a fake on his own. Right. And we later found out yesterday that Rutherford, uh, Rutherford, <laughs> Weatherford in East, East Rutherford. Rutherford, right, Steve Weatherford in East Rutherford has the has the uh the the, the I, I gotta give Samini credit. <laughs> Samini said what is he, Ricky Henderson in nineteen eighty three? He's got the green light to to fake anytime he wants. Oh man. 
Weatherford has the green light to, if he thinks he can make it or he thinks it's a good spot for it, right, to call a fake. However, he does have to check with Westoff, the Jets special teams coach. Right. Apparently, in this instance, he didn't check with anybody. He did not give the nod to Westoff. He did not tell Rex Ryan. And he missed the play before on third down where Sanchez took a sack. Right. So he thought it was a third and nine. <laughs> had it been, that would have been a brilliant play. That Had it been a third and nine, he would have picked it up by ten yards. That's right. Instead, it's third and 18. He gets knocked out of bounds about a half yard, yard short of the marker after a challenge by uh, uh, General Sherman. Well, now, let me back up real quick because if, I'm going to poke a hole in his, in his statement. Because if he thought it was third and nine and he ran 17 yards or 18 yards and he was just shy, if he's thinking he only had to get nine yards, he should automatically be ecstatic that he got the first down. And he wasn't. Right, but he... Right. The way the way I understand it is that he thought it was third and nine. He missed the sack. Okay. So he thinks it's third and nine, and right. he's going to run for the first down. Right. So he's running for the original line of scrimmage is what he's looking right. for. Right. But the minute he he said, I guess, and and again, maybe Dr. Ray can find the quote or whatever, or maybe Dr. Ray heard the quote if he did jump in, uh, that I the way I heard it was that he looked up and did saw the sticks like 20 yards away. Oh, when he started the fake, and he was like, "Oh boy, this is oh, not okay. good." I got it. Right, and so that's when he, you know, that's when, it, and not to mention he's ten yards back anyway. Yeah, he's seven yards back when he takes the snap, right? So he's got to run twenty-seven yards. <laughs> and I don't care how good of an athlete he is, because that's. But but anyway, Rex Ryan after the game says he did that on his own. And we probably should have punted there. Doesn't even give away the fact that Weatherford blew off Westoff as well. Right. And Tony Dungy on Sunday Night Football, Sunday Night Live. Well, before you get to Dungy, Rex Ryan also said he, he acknowledged, again, he made a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. We're not going to kill him on it. Right. I thought, he, I thought, he, I thought his comments were great. Not right. great I thought he handled fine. it well. I don't think he threw Weatherford under the bus. But what did Tony Dungy say? Tony Dungy said he threw him under the bus. <laughs> well, because Oberman, like, bump set spiked him. You know, or I should say bump set at him. Oh, Patrick. Dan Patrick. Or Patrick. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I got my uh, my old sports center guys confused. Yeah. I should know Dan Patrick. He's a Dayton alum, by the way. That's right. Daniel Patrick Pugh. He was also in my fraternity. Um, <laughs> I not at the same time. No, no, no. No, no. Uh, back when he was Daniel Patrick Pugh. Um, but anyway... Dan Patrick says, uh, wow, you know, did he just throw Steve Weatherford under the whole bus or was it just his arm and his leg? Yeah. And Dungy, I think he threw him under the whole bus, and here's why. Right. You don't do that, and, you know. Hey, Tony, Shrek, get the facts, ma'am. You know, enough. We get it. You're on, like, a little crusade. Uh, against Rex Ryan, I feel like it's uh, you know 1920 and it's prohibition. <laughs> Dungy's gonna be there with like a an old zoot suit on. And Rex Ryan is distributing moonshine to everybody. <laughs> right, Rex, Rex Ryan is is the county's biggest moonshiner. <laughs> you know, it's like it got a Joe Kennedy feel to it. Doctor E. Ray, what do you got? <laughs> you know, I, obviously, I, you know, 
stunned you didn't – I don't think you knew the whole facts, but how is nobody centering this on the fact that Rex Ryan gave the punter the green light? I mean, like, I understand that in a situation that makes sense, but uh, how is it possible? Is there a coach in the, in, in the league that gives the punter the green light to fake a punt on their own 20? I, is there a coach in the league that does that? I mean, well, Ryan deserves you. to be ripped, in my opinion. Deserves it. Right, but let me let me ask you, though, Ev, if he's put in a check system – with Weatherford, is he giving Westoff the green light or Weatherford the green light? Because Weatherford is supposed to check with Westoff before he does it. So is that more of a green light? Now, you could make the argument what coach gives his special teams coach the right to, to call that at any time he wants. Absolutely. You know, I read that I read that not so much as Weatherford having, again, the Ricky Henderson green light, but more as Weatherford has to check with Westoff. Uh, but you could argue, why is Ryan giving his, that much power to his special teams coach for such a important part of the game? The game is zero zero at that point. I know. I mean, you've got to believe that if you fail there, that at least leads to a field goal. It makes no right. sense in my mind. And I and I immediately when that happened, I, I texted you and I was like, I thought that was a ridiculous call. And I think everyone, you know, gut reaction is like, oh, that's a gutsy call by the Jets. And and you. I don't know if you guys heard it, you know, live on on the TV later, but I mean, every every announcer was basically, "Oh, Rex Ryan has such faith in his defense. What a call!" Right? They loved it. They right. loved it. None of none of them knowing, of course, that Weatherford did it completely by himself. Right? Yeah, oh, yeah, because they were yeah, because they were giving Rex Ryan all the credit for the for the play. Yeah. Right. Either way, it's and and I I have I texted you back. I said I liked the call. I was in that I was in that camp. I thought it was a good call because. Uh, but that was, of course, I thought he had it by five yards. Now, keep in mind, I'm sitting two to two and a half miles away from the field. <laughs> so I thought he had gotten it by like four yards. Right. Um, but I, I like the call at the time, too, and I stand corrected because there is no reason for that call there. If you're at your 35 or 40, definitely, I have, then it would be a fantastic call. That early in the game, your defense is playing well, you're trading punts. I would have no problem with it. And we'd love to hear from you on this. 324-220-1817, the number to call. We're talking Jets. We're going to talk about everything in the world of sports. So if you want to jump in now, jump in whatever you want. Yeah, this is the time to do it because the lines are open now. You don't know if they're going to be open later. So you want to call now. <laughs> Cynical Cal is back. No, I'm, I'm just being honest here. You never know <laughs> how true. the show is going to go. You want to get in now. That's right. And uh, so... Yeah, Ev, I, I agree with you, too. Uh, now, I think you were right on the money. I think I was wrong. I stand corrected in that I thought it was a good call at the time. Uh, at the time. I didn't think it was a terrible call. Um, and they did hold them to a field goal. But the fact that the announcers are sort of Rex-blinded, you know, the, they are sort of, uh, you know, Rex-blinded by this, that he's so great that he trusts his defense so much. Well, he trusts his defense too much. Yeah. And we saw it again where he's not paying attention to the offense. There's, there are two sides, and I'm and I'm going to just regurgitate what everybody's been saying. There's two sides to a game. There's an offense and a defense. He can't three. well three. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He can't ignore everything but the defense. And he right. can't continue to make up for the failings of the offense by pumping up his defense. You know? Nope. nope. Because I, I... you know what? The defense played okay on Sunday, but Green Bay did not bring their A game, as it's been stated 
a lot here in, in town that, you know, teams really get up to play the Jets. They're going to bring their A game. The Green Bay offense, I, to me, that wasn't really their A game. No, not at all. And on defense, they were they were starting guys they picked up off the street. Or from the Jets. Or from the Jets off the street. <laughs> yeah, but they, they, they started uh, Howard Green, who they picked up off the Jets, you know, a couple of days ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, so let's not get the, – the Jets did not get some tremendous effort out of uh, – what do you call it? Out of, out of the Green Bay Packers. And the, and the Green Bay Packers are, are a good team. I mean, I, that was the thing that confused me, Cal. Why are all Jet fans like, oh, I mean, I know Green Bay came in at what? They came in at uh, three, and three, three. three. Yeah, but going into the game, everybody had this in the bank. Everybody had this in the bank. Did I miss a meeting? Yeah. Wasn't Green Bay a, a Super Bowl favorite before the season started? Yeah, I, don't I mean, know. I know they're banged up, but they had just beaten uh, Minnesota on Monday night, coming off a huge win. They have uh, the, the top uh, sack guy in the league and Clay Matthews the third or whatever he is. The third, yeah. I think he's the third. But hey, why was the Green Bay game a gimme? On the Fox pregame show, and nobody saw this, but on the Fox pregame show, <laughs> across the board, all five of them, all five yahoos said Jets. And they all like, they said it like right on top of each other as if this was like, you know, you know, why are you even asking us? It's a no-brainer. Jets. Yeah, like I'm insulted. Like, and then they laughed about it. Jets. <laughs> Do we really even have to? Do we really even have to cut, pick this game? I mean, really? I don't understand. I don't understand why it was so. It was such a lock for everybody. I have no idea. I I I really don't. I I I circled this. When you look at the schedule, and every fan does this, mm-hmm. uh, you look at the schedule before the season, and you go down, and you go win, win, loss, loss. Usually for the Jets, it's loss, 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 win, win, <laughs> loss, 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 win, 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 uh, whatever. Uh, but. They, you went down the schedule, and I, I had this as at least maybe a win, maybe. Yeah. You sneak out a win. But well, before I, before the season. Yeah, of course. Now coming into the game, I gave the Jets a very good chance to win this game. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? This was not like your typical Jets coming off a bye against a good team. They have no shot. This wasn't your father's Jets. That's right. Or you maybe your older brothers. Even. Maybe your cousin Phil's. <laughs> This, no, I, I thought I felt confident. You you know, Evan asked me what the mood was in the parking lot. I said, "Hey, there's a lot of Packers fans there," and there were. Yeah, thought you hear there's that. A lot of Packers fans, a lot. They circled this game, the Packers fans in New York, and got the tickets early. Were there a lot of costumes in the parking lot? Uh not really. No, I did see this two weeks ago though, and I can't believe I forgot to tell you guys this. Reminds me. Can't believe I forgot to tell you guys this. I saw maybe the greatest jersey I've ever seen in a game, just for us personally. Okay. It was a Jets jersey with ten, the number ten, and uh, Pearl Jam on the back. Oh wow! Was it no? Was it Pearl? Or did he have Blaylock? Shoot! Now I can't remember. Oh, I'm blowing into it. Yeah, it was maybe maybe he had Mookie Blaylock. It was something Pearl Jam ten related. But it was a Jet jersey. But it was a Jet jersey, like a new Jet jersey, like nice. and it was like a pro Jet jersey. Cool. And he had ten, and I think it either had Pearl Jam or no. Or what am I saying? It was ten with Vetter. Ah. Vetter was the name on the back. I that thought was- that was fantastic. I wanted to tackle the guy. For those of you who don't know, I'm a, I'm a big Pearl Jam fan. <laughs> so is Doctor E. Ray. So is 
There's Cal. I assume you're a big Pearl Jam fan, Cal. Uh, yeah, if you know me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought we knew each other better than that. I see. I see you're insulted. No, not at all. <laughs> no, I'm not really. You sounded a little bit I and cynical not. and insulted. Cal is back. No, I should. I probably should be more vocal with my Pearl Jam love. I would appreciate that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong I don't with that. Know, I, and there ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. Uh, if you're a Pearl Jam fan, that's right. That's all. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. Cal, lastly on the Jets, uh, just to uh, to finish the big unload here for me is that you know what game they have coming up. They have two very win- very winnable games coming up, right? They're on the road to Detroit and then Cleveland, correct? Right. But which one? You're going to call them both trap games? Wait, 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 wait. Wait for it. It's a trap. I played it twice. Can you have two trap games? It's a double double trap. No, it's impossible. Because the definition of a trap is you're looking ahead to the next game. They're looking ahead two weeks past this. They are not. That's, That's hogwash. It's a double trap. It's it's a it's a, a booby traps I don't like in Goonies. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Data has set up these traps. I don't buy it. Now, if you're going to tell me that this the Detroit game is a trap because they're looking ahead to Mangini, I'll give Who? you that. Who's that now? Right, Manginius, the fella in Cleveland that's uh, you that uh, upset the Saints yeah, last week into his bye. I, now I'll yeah. give you I'll give you the Detroit game as a trap because they're looking ahead to Mangini. No way they're looking ahead to uh, everything. <laughs> I don't think it could be a trap game because they just lost. Oh, don't you have to have like a win point. and then you know like to say oh we're so great let's look past the next game. Exactly or or coming off the bye it would work there too. So right. a brother's not allowed to just play his it's a trap. Uh, it's a trap. A uh, little little. Blur, blur, oh, you, blur. I will give you the, the Detroit game as a trap game. So play, play your trap game. Play your little thing. You can play with your okay. toys. It's a trap. <laughs> you go. That's but not, uh, but not, not Cleveland's not a trap. No, it is not a trap. Well, who comes after Cleveland? Houston. Houston at home. That's correct. All right. So nobody, they're not looking ahead to Houston. No, probably not. Darn it. Come on! I would. And I, just, I just wanted to hear from Admiral Akbar. But but this is this week. This week is perfect for that. And uh, their terrible loss this week at Green Bay, and you guys were just taking me to task because I called the Detroit and the Browns game, and maybe even the Houston game into the bargain. They're all traps. Go ahead. You know want to you want to know why? Why? It's a trap. Okay, I'm done. All right, I played it. I'm done. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. The number to call. The Jets uh, go out to Detroit, and and that is not going to be an easy game, Cal. I'm sorry, it's not an easy win. No. Uh, <clears throat> the the Lions last week did win. Did they not? The Lions did. did. Oh, you know the Lions won. Matthew Stafford returned. Is that correct? Yes. Big win over Washington. All I know is that my boy uh, Calvin Johnson had uh, three touchdowns. Very nice. <laughs> Welcome back, Megatron. Yeah. Yes, no, this is no gimme game by any means. And uh, you're heartened that the defense played really well for the Jets on Sunday. 
not so heartened that the offense got shut out. But I, I think they'll put it together, Cal. I think they'll uh, be able to beat Detroit. But I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. No, it, it's not going to be. I think they're going to beat them, though. If, if you ask me today, I think the Jets are going to go into Detroit and take care of business and win this game. I just asked you today. What do you think? They're going to win this game. All right, then. Are you looking forward to the Revis-Megatron uh, matchup? Yeah, I am, now that Revis is healthy. Absolutely. Revis looked like himself last week. He really did. He did. Yeah. That he was... looked like uh, the old Revis, the old man, the old miss. Well, that's good. It took him, what, two months? Yeah. Only eight games it's to fine. get back up to speed. Yeah, good. That, well, that holdout was worth it, Cal. Yeah. I think it was worth it for everybody. Uh, God, we continue to talk about the Jets like they're two and five. I know. And and Dr. Ray brings up a great point as we move from the Jets. Uh, just lastly on the NFL, we're going to come back to the NFL later. Uh, but the Patriots are six and one. <laughs> and Dr. Ray, the stat man that he is, gives us they have not lost a home game with Tom Brady since 2006. I mean, come on. Was it four years? Four years. Yeah, I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. It's not fair. I know. And uh, and now they're six and one. They just beat the the Vikings the other day. They beat San Diego out in San Diego, or was that home? They no, it might have been out in San Diego. No, right? they were they were out in San Diego. I mean, it just never ends. And then of course, of course, Doctor Ray. Yes, this is the perfect time to mention Randall K. Moss. Randy Moss released right waved. From the Vikings. Is that, a, is, that that's official now, right? I believe it's official. Okay. Is it not official? Well, yes. There was a lot of speculation yesterday, and it actually hadn't happened. I thought the Vikings said today why they were parting ways with him. I, I think you're right. Well, did you hear the story uh, with, about the, with the catering? Yeah, with the catering. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Randy Moss. Wow, covering himself in glory. He's so unselfish. That's what's great about him. Yeah. Now, he comes out, and maybe we'll get, uh, get Dr. Ray in here to talk about, because you know this story, Dr. Ray, right? About the catering and the the team function catering sort of thing. And Yeah, he I, I hated, heard it. He hated the barbecue or something like that. <laughs> what, what what happened, Dr. Ray? Because I caught it late. So what what happened? I mean, Apparently, uh, this was a few witnesses in the locker room, that he was walking up and down the beautifully prepared buffet by a local mom-and-pop restaurant uh, shop. This was not a chain. And uh, just saying things like, uh, this food is terrible, I wouldn't feed this to my dog, all this horrible, horrible stuff. Uh, and uh, it, it, I don't know why it makes me laugh, but I just the, the witness basically was saying that the people who were serving the food were, uh, you, know, you know, borderline crying. They were like mortified, yeah. They were yeah, mortified. this is this is something that they do weekly, right? That the Vikings every Friday night they pick a local establishment and they have like a team catered thing, and he pooped all over the 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 the, the business basically. Yeah, he made, he made a comment about you know when I didn't have money I had I used to eat this type of food now I don't have to anymore. A nice wow, guy. just class really act. yeah, class act. This is the same yeah, guy I who mean, after the question remains though. I mean, a lot of guys are selfish and say stupid stuff. He was that bad to release him? Well, but, but player, Evan, it? it also it also came after he, he all his comments after playing the Patriots, right? And if you watch some of the game, he gave up on balls as usual. I mean, the pass interference 
he got the pass interference call. He gave up on the ball. He could have easily caught it for a touchdown. And then, and then, what was it? Two plays later, Favre got drilled and was out of the game. Right. Right. So he played like a dog again, a slouch, if you will. And then after the game, he's hugging and kissing Tom Brady. He's going in a press conference talking about how Belichick's the greatest coach ever. Yeah, wait, Tom Brady. How he misses New New England, how Tom Brady's the best quarterback, how Childress's game plan was crap, how they shouldn't have gone for it on fourth. I mean, you couple that with the uh, (laughs) completely undressing and and ruining the, the, the life's work of a local barbecue catering place. I mean, he's got to be awful for the team, right? Well, I, I think. Well, I think the bigger issue is is just what a colossal mess it is in Minnesota. Yes, well, that's true. you know with Brad Childress, who yes. has lost all control of everything. Yes, and and now looks like every bit of the eighth grade science teacher that he is. <laughs> he now finally looks like the part of the eighth grade science teacher that's completely lost the room, though. Right, he was calling plays with a Bunsen burner on Sunday. <laughs> right. Uh, yes, he was. He was in there. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it was. It's, I, it's, I, it's a mess. It's it's awful. Yeah, I think that one of the things that is going to be really interesting is if he does somehow, Randy Moss does somehow wind up back with the Pats. I can't. I can't see how that's going to happen. I can't see. Don't now. We 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 were talking about this yesterday. Can't you see the Jets? Uh, claiming him just so he doesn't wind up with the Pats? They could go for the block. They, they don't take need... Jim J. Bullock, center square for the block. <laughs> they don't need Randy Moss, obviously, but they, no. it's more important to not have him on the Patriots, don't you think? No, but I, I don't think he gets past a team like St. Louis. I don't think he gets past a team like the Bears. Because, again, he's got to go through waivers, which means he's got to go worse to first. Right. I mean, And, you know, the New England has the best record in the league right now. So I I can't see him making it past uh, some of those teams that actually really need him. I mean I can't see him getting past Kansas City. Yeah, no, I can there's see a, St. Louis taking a flyer on him at four and four. You right, know? Seattle. A lot of teams that that could uh, absolutely. I think there there are a lot of teams that would take a flyer on him. And uh, and you know if you heard Brian Hartline's comments, Cal Brian Hartline said, whatever's wrong, he ain't the fix. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> whatever's broken, he ain't gonna fix it. Right. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. Cal, let's move on to the Mets because I've been busting to talk about the Metropolitans with you. You have, and uh, you know, first let's let's uh, do and give credit where credit is due. The San Francisco Giants win the World Series last night. Let's not be completely New York centric, Cal. No, no. And let's talk a little bit about the World Series right now. A World Series which we thought would go six or seven games, and we thought the Texas Rangers would be victorious in. Right. Discuss. Um, <laughs> did we? Did, is that? Did we? I no. I did. I said seven. I can't. You know. I'm gonna have to play the tape back. I don't know if I said Texas or San Francisco. I thought you. I might I have said Texas. Said Texas. I, I think I, you said. Te- I think we were all with Texas, weren't we? I think you might be right. I know. I know. I said seven games. So. Yes. Well, either way, the Giants wrap it up handily in five. Surprising. Yeah. No? Yeah. Not so much? Yeah, no. I uh, I don't know if I'm surprised just because once the Giants got through 
and this is, you know, complete Tuesday after the World Series is over quarterbacking, but once the Giants got through the Phillies and seemed to, you know, have that staff pitching on all cylinders, and they sort of started getting that team of destiny thing. I mean, that sort of – now, the the Rangers had it a bit too, but the Rangers, you know, the the guy doing the damage for the Rangers was Josh Hamilton, who is an MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. The guy doing the damage for the Phil or for the Giants in the Philly series was Cody Ross, the guy they picked up on waivers in August. <laughs> That's true. And you got Juan Uribe hitting, you know, getting big hits, chunky Juan Uribe. How do we feel about Juan Uribe's eating habits? Well, they you know, you had you had two third basemen there. <laughs> <laughs> when Juan Uribe is the skinnier third baseman. <laughs> That's right. When Juan Uribe is your skinny option at third over a Pablo Kung Fu Panda disappointment in fantasy baseball, Sandoval. Uh, I don't know what kind of idiot would keep him. I don't know who would do that in a keeper league. What a horrible decision that was. What a what a debacle. Nobody would do um, that. But, they, you know, the Giants are getting big hits out of guys like that. And Cody Ross, they pick up for, you know, 50 bucks and, and a plane ticket. And he's hitting home runs off Roy Holiday like it's his job. Uh-huh. You kind of got the feeling that they were a team of destiny, but also the pitching, Cal, comes down to the pitching. I said it at, We said it at the beginning of the playoffs that San Francisco could make a run in the NL because they had they had ponies starting the games when you can run Lincecum, Kane, Sanchez, Baumgartner, and Wilson in the pen to close. You can score three, two, three runs, scratch out two, three ones, and win a lot of games. And they shut down uh, a potent Texas offense, too. Yeah, I think the most surprising aspect of the World Series was, you know, the blowouts. Yeah, uh, was seeing them seeing them win nine nothing. Uh, they beat Cliff Lee twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, they earned it. You know, they they certainly earned it, and of course they win their first World Series since 1954, the year that Willie Mays made the catch. Right. When they beat the Cleveland Indians. Fifty six years. Wow. And none. Uh, the first one in San Francisco, of course. First one in San Francisco. They lost in uh, they lost in sixty two, eighty nine, and two thousand two. In two thousand two, and so, all those great players. I mean, McCovey and Cepeda, and of course Mays, and uh, just Marshall, and so many great players. Dwayne Kuyper. Dwayne, <laughs> Dwayne Kuyper. Bob Brenly. Atlee Hamaker. Atlee Hamaker. So many. <laughs> Daryl Hammond. Did they have Daryl Hammond? Not Daryl Hammond. Not Daryl Hammond. Not Saturday Night Live. Uh, are you thinking of Jeffrey Leonard? No. I, well, I am now. I certainly am now. Are you taking me back to like an 86 Giants team? An 86 Giants team? Wow. Goodness. I don't even know who would be on that team. Uh, wow. Johnny LeMaster was definitely the short. Johnny LeMaster. For sure. Oh, the greatest name ever. Johnny LeMaster. Oh, Johnny LeMaster. Wow. I'm going to have to punch that. Let's let's see what the eighty six. God, they had some, some really good. Uh... What do you think, uh, Cal? What do you think is going to happen with Cliff Lee? Let's talk a little bit about the Rangers while I punch up the eighty six San Francisco Giants. Go ahead, I'm dying. I'm dying to hear. Mike Kruko is a pitcher on that team. Also, got it. Kruko's got to be there, of yeah. course. Dave Dravecki. Oh, hey, I see. I always think of him as a Padre. You know, he was a Giant too. Is it? Oh, you are going to love this team. The eighty six Giants. Oh, you're going to love this team. I'm going to give you, well, of course, uh, we neglected to mention Will the Thrill. Will Clark, oh, Will Clark, uh, obviously, at first base. Second base, you should know. Come on now. Second base for the Giants? 
Number six, 1986. Oh, Robbie Thompson. Of course. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who else would you know on this team? Brantley's the catcher. Okay. And guess who the backup catcher is? Bob Melvin. Get out of here. We'll be talking about Bob Melvin in just a couple of him, aren't we? Yes, we are. Was Jeffrey <laughs> Leonard in that in that outfield? Let me take a look. Your outfield is Jeffrey Leonard. Okay. It is uh, a guy who played with the Yankees a little bit. Uh, you should know him well. One of the great names in baseball. Where? Playing center field? Playing the outfield. Okay. Um, I doubt, but playing one of the corners. And he played for the Yankees. Played for the Yankees briefly towards the end of his career. Chili Davis. Of course. There you go. Well done. Chili Davis is on that team. Dan Gladden is Dan the center fielder on that team. Of course. And of course, who could forget the great? They don't make him like this anymore. Candy Maldonado. Candy Maldonado. Was Matt Williams on that team, or is that before his time? Matt Williams is not here yet. No. Who's the Vita player? Blue? Vita Blue is still on that team. Vita Blue. At the age of 37. Who was the third baseman and on that team? Steve Carlton is on that team. Get out of here. That is where Steve Carlton ended his career. Huh. Steve Carlton at the age of 42. Wow. It's on that team. Scott Gareltz. Oh, man. What a great team. That's Terry Mulholland, of course. Of course. But who you was had, the third baseman? You had Mike Aldretti. You had Jose Uribe. Jose Uribe. At short, correct. I, and to this day, I still call Juan Jose. Right. There's a rich history of Uribe's for the Giants. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> uh, I think Chris Brown is your third baseman. Chris Brown. At that time. The the completely anonymous Chris Brown. Oh, boy. Uh, Greg Minton. Wow. Greg Minton. <laughs> Greg Kelly Downs. Mark Davis. Mark Davis was the closer, wasn't he? I believe he was. What a weird team. The 86 San Francisco Giants. Yeah. So anyway, uh, wow, that was fun down memory lane How there. did we do that? Jeffrey Leonard. <laughs> he took us there. Jeffrey Leonard. He And he's another one of those guys. He was Jeff Leonard for the longest uh-huh. time. And then all of a sudden he turned into Jeffrey Leonard. Jeffrey, he, don't call me Jeff Leonard. Then he changed his number to double zero. Right. Don't you remember? He just got weird as his career went on. He was also the highest paid giant that year. In uh, 1986? At a salary of $900,000. Oh, wow. Can you imagine? I can't. By the way, I love how we brought everything back to 1986 again. We've done this the entire postseason on every show. Oh, that's all we got. We always find a way to bring it back to 1986. Hey, let's get back to Cliff Lee, though. Yes. Because that was where we were having it all started. I, I feel like we never left. No. Uh, Cliffy, the spaceman Lee, uh, of course, becomes a free agent this year, and uh, or this offseason, he is going to be the most uh, coveted. And uh, Now, a lot of people, Cal, already have him going to the Yankees. We know this. We've talked about this. But here's my question to you right off the bat. We talked about it a little bit last week, and then, of course, the owner of the Texas Rangers, who's been owner for almost 20 minutes, comes out and says, before Game 5 of the World Series, says that Yankee fans uh, are apathetic or violent, neither of which is good. I love that, by the way. That's hilarious. He said, quote, Yankee fans were during the series, the ALCS, were either violent or apathetic, neither of which is good, and were an embarrassment to baseball in their actions. Right, and then and then he apologized. Right, he backed down. He he did. He backed down. He said, "I didn't mean to, you know, 
blah, blah, blah. Base, New York baseball fans are very knowledgeable. Yankee fans are very knowledgeable, blah, blah. He backed down. But he took Yankee fans to task. They spit on Cliff Lee's wife. They dumped a beer on her, not knowing that it was Cliff Lee's wife. Basically, overall, we talked about this last week, their behavior during the ALCS was sort of terrible and really like a poor reflection on Yankee fans, I think. Yeah, that, I think that's where he was going with it. Does Cliff Lee just get to use the Yankees to drive up the price? Does he use the Yankees? Uh, does he want to go to the Yankees? Does he, is he just going to go to the highest bidder? Uh, I'm going to pull up a quote, Cal, while you respond to that uh, from Cliff Lee today. Uh, but what do you think? What's your what's your initial feeling? I mean, did he see and do enough in Texas to maybe give them a fair shake? He does. He's from Arkansas. He has a house in Arkansas. Only about a three-hour drive from Arlington. Does that make him stick around? What do you think? One of the things that I noticed about this team, just watching them in the postseason, they're a very close-knit team. You know, when 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 they beat the Yankees, Josh Hamilton won the ALCS MVP, and he couldn't he didn't want to talk about himself. All he wanted to do was talk about his teammates and how close they were. And you could see as you as as he was getting choked up talking about it. They showed the team, and the team was getting emotional. And I think that there's a real bond here with this group. And that, now, obviously, if the Rangers are going to offer him $50 million less, that bond means absolutely nothing. <laughs> but with the money being somewhat equal or in the ballpark, I think the Rangers have a real good shot at keeping him because I think, I think Cliff Lee spent enough time here towards the end of the season that he – he would go back to there. You know, they're going to be a contender next year. Everybody's coming back. They've got a great young pitching staff. I, I think he could do a lot worse than re-signing with Texas. Yeah, no, that's, those are all great points. Now, that, now, this is the quote, Cal, that uh, uh, the guys on my baseball team and I were going back and forth today, and one of the guys threw this out there. Um, the, the quote, this is the first time I've been a free agent, and I'm going to see what that's all about. It's an earned right by a player once you get six-plus years. And I'm going to take advantage of that and see where it leaves me. I know I've enjoyed it here, and I'm never ruling out the possibility of coming back. That's Texas. Mm -hmm. But I've got to play things out and see how it goes. I know this was a great group of guys, a lot of fun, and I would love to be part of it next year. But there's so many things that could happen, you never know. There's a lot of things I've got to weigh into. I've got to weigh into that. There's a lot of variables. What's best for my family? That's going to be a huge part of it. I want to be on a winning team. Obviously, this is one of those. We'll see. There's no telling what's going to happen. So... You know, he says what you expect him to say. He says, basically, I have no idea what's going to happen. It's been great here. I like these guys. I love, you know, but uh, I've never been a free agent. And uh, as one of the baseball players, actually an old friend of the show, Mike Huber, Hubie, a uh, big Yankee fan, pointed out, you know, money talks. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't sign with the Yankees, but winning the winning offer better come close. So if Texas does get back in on it, they better be close to the Yankees. Because as Hubie put it, and I love this, I had to get this in. He's not taking a huge haircut. <laughs> I like that. I guarantee it. Now, I, I totally agree, and it, it's we're gonna have plenty of time to uh, talk hot stove, Cal, and and talk hot stove. We will. Yeah, but, for quite some time. Right, but my initial gut just after yesterday was that it's not as foregone a conclusion as it was maybe a week ago that Cliff Lee is just going to go to the highest bidder. I think that's changed. I think I, I felt like two weeks ago that 
he was going to be a Yankee, and that if the Yankees come in and blow the offer out by $30 million, which they still might do, then he's going to the Yankees and the Rangers really have no chance. But I think that's changed a bit. I think that's changed a bit. A, I think the Rangers can be competitive financially somewhat. And I think B, if he has his druthers, <laughs> his Tina druthers, he will... <laughs> Sally Struthers? His Sally Struthers, he might opt to stay closer to home. Wait, where is he from again? Is it Alabama? Arkansas? Arkansas. Okay. Yes. One of those A-word places. Right. Those those states that, that, start that with we, know, we know little about. Albuquerque. <laughs> Alaska. Alaska. Who's been to you've ever been to Alaska? No, have you? No. Negatory, good buddy. <laughs> Don't even know where it is. It's north. It's by Russia. He is from Benton, Arkansas. Okay. Now, uh, yeah, no, I, I I agree with you. I don't I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to the Yankees, but I do believe the Yankees are going to offer him whatever it takes to get him. All right. So you think they're just going to blow everything out of the I water? I think if if need be, they will blow everything out of the water. Yes, they will go absolutely huge. All right. Well, four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen is the number to call. Uh, give us a shout, and uh, if you want to talk about the Yankees, the Mets, uh, we're about to talk about the Mets. Actually, Cal, I think we're. Uh, I think we're about to uh, uh, welcome Dave Rutley in a couple of minutes in the uh, Fantasy 5 spot for Fantasy 5 for fo- Fantasy Football. Yeah. Um, what is, what's that? But, right. And then we're going to talk about the Mets after that. But the Mets, hire Sandy Alderson, Cal. That's the guy I wanted. I know. That's the man I wanted. You touted him. I have touted him pretty big, and I'll tell you why. I feel like the Mets – had no choice but to make this signing. And, and, of course, last week we talked about it came down to Josh Burns and Sandy Alderson. Uh, Josh Burns was not window dressing for the job by any means, Cal, no. I don't think. No, not at all. I think, I think he Wilpons, interviewed well. Yeah, I think the Wilpons did a thorough job here. I think the reason that Alderson had to be the hire, and it's been talked about ad nauseum and all other nauseums, was that he gives them instant credibility. He's the best baseball guy out there, and he immediately tells the fan base, and he proved this in his press conference on Friday, he immediately tells the fan base that the Wilpons are not running the show. That's right. That I am running the show, and that it it's not going to be those meddling kids, the Wilpons. Right. Uh, his press conference, Cal, I thought was fantastic. I, I really did. I thought all his interviews were just exactly what I expected from a Harvard and Yale grad, a former Marine, Vietnam, Marine Vietnam vet. Uh, he did not come in walking on water, but he, uh, as some were saying, you know, you've never seen a reception like this in this town. Nope. Holy cow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Some reception. Um, but, you know, he, he was exactly what we hoped he would be. Yeah. And he gives the gives the the organization credibility, and that's what they needed. He does, and and he gets right to work. Now, if you listen to him on Friday during his press conference, or maybe it was afterwards, he was he was doing a, a post press conference interview, and they asked him, you know, are you going to get right to work on Monday? And he said, Well, I got to fly out to Berkeley to teach a class. Right. <laughs> but after I finish that, I'll be back on Tuesday. Right. And I'll get right to work. And right to work he got because today, Tuesday, his first day on the job. He brings in J.P. Ricciardi as a special assistant. Yep. And he's already starting to reshape that front office. They got rid of a bunch of scouts today. Yep. 
Uh, whole got, scouting, whole scouting department. Bye bye. Razor Shines was yep. was uh, asked to move along. Uh, <laughs> Razor Shines. Oh, he's good Razor times. Shines. Razor Shines. Uh, yes, he he got right to work today. Yeah. And he said a couple of key things in there that that we'll talk about after we do the Fantasy Five with Dave Rutley. But he said a couple of key things in the press conferences in terms of spend money and what they have to spend, Cal, mm-hmm. and what they might be going after uh, in the offseason. But, Cal, before we get to that, I just wanted to ask you, you play fantasy football, right? You're still in our fantasy football league, right? Uh, yeah, technically, yes. Technically, you're still in. I see you want to trade your whole team. I do. The season has not gone as you would hope. But you know whose fault that isn't, Cal? No. Whose fault is it? It's, it's not the fault of our sponsor, one of our sponsors, FFAdvisor.com. You know why, Cal? Why? It's unbelievably competitive out there. Everybody's trying to gain an edge in fantasy sports and fantasy football. Well, the guys at FFAdvisor.com have gone mathematical with this thing. What they've done is they cre- created an algorithm. And that algorithm is going to tell you, that formula is going to tell you which are the best sites on a weekly basis as far as stardom, sinem, who has the best advice, what websites are doing the best job at telling you who to start, who to sit, who to pick up, Cal. Something good is certainly coming. So go to ffadvisor.com. That's F-F-A-D-V-I-S-O-R. And take the guesswork out of fantasy sports. Take the guesswork out of fantasy football. And get that edge that everybody is looking for. Cal. Now, I believe I believe we can welcome Mr. Dave Rutley into the show. David, is that you, sir? How you doing today, brother? Welcome to the show, Dave Rutley, and here in the Fantasy Five spot, and Dave Rutley from FFAdvisor.com. What's up, Ruddles? Oh, uh, not much, not much. Big election day today. Very exciting yes. stuff happening all over the country. Big write-in movement down in Texas. A lot of people voting Wade Phillips for state auditor, trying to get him out of the <laughs> Give him another job, any any job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Dave, we missed you last week for sure, but let's get right into uh, the action. I don't know if you were able to check out uh, our rosters, but they have changed drastically. I, 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 have not, a- I haven't. I'll be honest. I have not checked out your current rosters, but I am looking at Cal's roster starting off the season, and I do need to get an update from Cal on where he's at because I want to make sure I trade those players from my teams. Because he is the angel of death. He, he really what would make you say that, Dave? <laughs> you know, Tony Romo, Pierre Thomas, Austin Colley, Mark Clayton, Dallas Clark, all great players, all not playing football right now, though. No, they're not. It, it has been a rough go. Uh, I'll, I guess I'll start, uh, Dave. I made all sorts of crazy wackadoodle moves, and now I have my starting lineup this week is Joe Flacco, uh, McCoy. Well, I won't do all that, but... Let's just say I traded Roethlisberger uh, and uh, Kenny Britt for Randy Moss and Kyle Orton. That was one. That was one move. And uh, I also traded. Uh, uh, my other big move was uh, uh, Des Bryant, Michael Vick, and uh, oh, who else did I? Oh, Matt Forte for Steven Jackson and the Jets defense. How you like that? 
it's a it's a full it's a mid year redesign. <laughs> well, I do it every year. Pack there. <laughs> if, are question, you playing quarterback for yourself now that you've traded all your quarterbacks? That's it. No, I got Orton back, and I still got Flacco on my bench. You do, and and you say Flacco on your bench, and I'll just go ahead and let you know that Flacco will start more for you than Orton will be. We'll start to see the Orton mid-year decline rapidly approach. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I got I got 23 points out of him yesterday with uh, Flacco on the bye. I was more than happy to get it. Yep, no, absolutely, absolutely. So now before we get to Cal, uh, and uh, I'm at 5-3 uh, and three here, Dave. I'm sitting, uh, sitting kind of pretty here in first place in the division. Uh, but my question is, I'm so glad I made that trade for Randy Moss. That's really looking good. Uh, what... What the heck is going to happen with Randy Moss here, Dave? You know, it, it is one of those just – I mean, here's the good news for you. Here's the good news. There's only really one position in the National Football League where you can come in almost immediately and make an impact for a team, and that's at wide receiver. And, and the reason is simply there's only so many routes that, that wide receivers run. They don't have a ton of blocking responsibilities. Not like they're learning blitz pickups and that sort of thing, which really makes it difficult for a running back to transition from team to team. So Randy Moss is going to get picked up. Uh, he's going to end up playing, and he's going to end up being somebody that you know performs like he's performed all year, which isn't great, but might be enough to be you know a second wide receiver, you know, to help your team to that that next level. Um, my guess, if I had to really, uh, I think Seattle is probably the place he ends up. Um, nice. Living up here in Boston, uh, talk radio here really loves the idea of him coming back here to New England. I don't see it happening. I don't see every team in the NFL passing on him. Right. So I Seattle is probably your best bet there, which isn't a bad fit for him. I saw I saw maybe St. Louis, although they might not want to mess with Bradford. But uh, could you see Kansas City too? Maybe a, a team rolling the dice with him. Yeah, I, I mean, Kansas City's probably, if, if, you, if you ask me to pick the second one, Kansas City would be the one to go to. The problem is Castle really can't throw the deep ball all that well, and that's one of the reasons why Dwayne Bowe uh, isn't the player that he could be with a strong-arm quarterback. Um, right. You know, I think, I think Kansas City's not a bad fit. He played well, uh, you know, with, with that regime when they were here at the Patriots, so uh, not right. a bad play. I can't imagine him going to the Rams. That would be pretty torturous on a young team to insert yeah. Randy Moss in that locker room. I think Sam Bradford would end up in therapy for years afterwards. <laughs> Cal, what do you got? What's up what's up with your boys? Well speaking of therapy. Um, <laughs> right. As, Whirl, as whirlpool therapy for your entire team. Physical therapy, mental therapy, two different things. But well, yeah. both apply here because I am two and six as you could guess from my roster. So right now I've shifted into look-ahead mode. And instead of looking uh, for some advice on who to pick up, I'm going to run a name by you, Dave, and let me know if you think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a viable keeper option for next year. It's a, it's a great question. It's a, it's a fabulous question. I mean, the kid's playing out of his mind. Uh, obviously an intelligent football player. Limited talent in Buffalo and really making the most of it, playing with a lot of confidence right now. I think he's averaging, you know, going into last week, it was 20.4 game, 24 points a game, um, and, and he scored maybe 17 last week. Mm -hmm. Is he a viable keeper? You know, keeper questions are always tough because you got to look at 
who are all the other options that are out there, how many keepers that you have. Um, in general, I, I, ha- I have a hard time recommending a quarterback as a keeper um, right. because there's much depth at a position because you could find the next Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, next week here. Um, right. So, so he's a stash in, in, in a dynasty league where you're keeping your entire roster. That's not a bad guy to acquire. As far as a true keeper, the top-end talent really just isn't there. They're still thinking about and scouting those, you know, top-end college quarterbacks. So, um, probably not a keeper for you um, in, in, a, in, a, in a keeper league where you only get to keep three or four guys. Okay. Dave, let me ask you another one because we, uh, Dr. Ray Stat had to step away for a moment. So let me a- let me take this opportunity to ask you another one. Blow up, okay, by the I way. Gotta... You just stood up. <laughs> I have, I have a I have a tight end problem uh in both my leagues actually because I have uh Vernon Davis in the one and uh 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 sorry blanking on my Raiders tight end. Uh Zach Miller. Thank you. Zach, Zach Miller in my other league. And uh so I got to pick up a tight end for this week. Um I I seem to like the Tammy kid. I watched that game last night, kind of liked what I saw out of him. Seems like he and Manning had a little something going. Is Tammy going to be like a, a big-time waiver pickup this week? Am I going to be screwed? Well, I, I think pretty much everyone that needs a tight end will probably be after him, yeah. Um, right. You know, it, you know it, was a, it, was, it was a primetime game. He played well. Um, he's on an amazing offense, an amazing offense that has beat-up receiving core, so he's a viable option. And, you know, the thing that impressed me, and you know, I've never seen this kid play either. He caught, you know, he caught the ball. And, you know, it, it <laughs> seems like a simple thing, but Peyton throws a pretty sharp pass in there, and, and he made some nice, simple catches. He was open. He ran good routes. Um, and, you know, he could be a tough pickup for you, but uh, absolutely target him because I think he's the kind of guy that, you know, for the rest of the year is going to put up, you know, ten to sixteen points probably in PPR scoring. Uh, nice. Have tight position, and that's fabulous. I would sign for that. Now, Dave, let's get to uh, the FF Advisor stuff, FFAdvisor.com. And uh, what do you got for this week? We, we missed you last week, so what, what's going on over on the site? Who are the best uh, sites that people should be checking out this week? Yeah, you know, I, here's the good news. The good news is <laughs> when we launched this site, we hoped that we'd be able to identify trends. We hoped we'd be able to identify um, people that are doing a really good job at this. You didn't have to shop around a lot. You could really go to a couple different places and get the best information. And that's at mid-year what we're seeing emerging. So Fantasy Godfathers, starting at about week four, came out on top. They remain on top from an overall accuracy standpoint. Great site to visit for your rankings week in and week out. Absolutely recommend you visit there on Saturday to see their last rankings of the week. And, and, and the folks over, so, you, you know, that's a, a smaller niche player. Um, surprisingly, another one of the big players is doing really well, and it's the folks over at Yahoo, and they have four experts over there. Um, two of the gentlemen, Piankowski and Barons, uh, do mm-hmm. especially uh, One of them is especially bad, so stay away from him. His name is Davis. Don't code his. The other <laughs> very good. Uh, you can right. see this over at ffadvisor.com. Uh, and they've got really solid rankings. And those three sites, sites are experts, are really the ones that are um, – far and above better than a lot of the competition that's out there. So you can really start to, if you visit the site, you can really start to hone in on where you really can focus on as you get into the playoff push because this is when you know, every game really matters. So the wheat is separating from the chafe, as they say. As they say. 
Yes, and uh, just to remind people what Dave is talking about, just one more time real quick, is that if you go to ffadvisor.com and you check out, uh, they have all these sites ranked of who's doing the best job with their rankings, who's doing the best job of who you want to start, who you want to sit, um, and, and Fantasy Godfather is doing a good job. Yahoo, surprisingly, for a big outfit, uh, you know, because these little niche guys have been doing pretty good. These little boutique, these boutique fantasy styles uh, have been doing really well, but Yahoo's doing pretty good. So uh, that's awesome. I, you know, I really like the guys at Fantasy Godfather because the the, the page itself is a goof. Uh, it's funny. My love of the Godfather, uh, notwithstanding, it's great, and uh, they do they do do a really good job rankings wise. I've been using them on a weekly basis, and it's paying off for you. Looks like, right? I, well, I yeah, am. <laughs> I'm five and three in both. I'm five and three in both, so I'm still in it. Hey, that's uh, you. You got to keep it close, and then you make your big move. And it sounds like you made your big move because I think the Randy Moss thing will pay off in spades. I'm sure it'll pay off for you. Yes, I traded for him in both those leagues. Now, Dave, before before we uh, let you go, I just want to get a, a quick skins take. And uh, are we ready to run Shanahan out of town yet? Or uh, how would you feel about Donovan McNabb being benched for the immortal Rex Grossman? It just, it's, it's, it's amazing to me how a football team can seem so solid and yet so quickly introduce an element of drama into it. And it's just Dan Snyder. I could vote him into a different position. I would definitely vote him into a different position. Um, yeah. That, it, it, I, I was shocked. But, I couldn't believe that, that McNabb wasn't out there for that last drive. It's, you know, he hasn't been effective in two-minute drills. But Donovan McNabb, I mean, Rex Grossman, I, it, it, not since Florida has he run an effective two-minute drill. <laughs> yeah, Dave, is it truly Brett Jamarcus Russell in today? They brought Jamarcus Russell in today. Apparently, he had to get some sort of a waiver for his cough syrup drinking. Um, oh, you know, <laughs> he had Louisiana or whatever, so he could actually fly into Washington to work out for the team. Because clearly, he's the answer. Clearly, yeah, I think that's a good move. <laughs> I just, I just, it baffles me. I mean, at one point, I just have, you know, as a longtime Redskins fan, I can just jump for joy. At, that, at what is happening to the, to the Dallas Cowboys and how they are just completely falling apart despite everyone riding the bandwagon and saying they were going to be the Super Bowl team. And at the same time, I see my team on the cliff, on the precipice of destruction. Yes. Yeah. And Jamarcus Russell running the helm, and it's just, it's it's not pretty. It's not pretty. The car, is, the car is hanging over the cliff, and Jamarcus Russell is the guy holding the chain in the back of the car when it's about to go over. And, hey, you know, Dave, you could always use another offensive tackle. Exactly. So, <laughs> Let's be honest. He, Jamarcus Russell is holding no chain. He's climbing into the front seat, rooting around in the seat pocket for spare chains and Cheetos that fell on the floor. So this is not a good situation. Well, he certainly doesn't need spare change. That's one thing that Jamarcus Russell does not need. And he certainly probably doesn't need to eat any Cheetos. Dave... We'll uh, we'll catch up with you next week, pal. All right, good job with the site, and uh, have a good week, my brother. All right, take care, gentlemen. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Ruttles. All right. Dave Rutley from FFAdvisor.com checking in. He says that Yahoo and uh, Fantasy Godfathers, the sites to check out, 424-220-1817, number to call. We are Cal and Sam Pete. We are live. We are ready to unload. We are unloading. So why don't you call and unload right along with us? And, Cal, before we did the – Fantasy Five Spot, 
We were talking about the New York Metropolitan. Yeah, we were. I'd like to go back to that, sir. Well, yes, we've been waiting uh, all weekend to get back to Yes, that. I know. Busting at the seams, Buster posing at the seams. Yes. Question. Did you catch when Sandy Alderson said about the New York Metropolitan that they would probably, and he snuck it in at the end, how they would probably not be a player in free agency this year? Next question. <laughs> he was pretty dismissive of that, right? He just kind of like, he didn't want to focus on that. Right. But he still thinks they can be competitive in 2011. But Cal, did you get the sense? He thinks, yeah. That, you know, he feels more that this is the 2012 Mets that we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I mean, he, he they always say in New York you can't rebuild. So he's savvy enough to come and and say right away he, he's not throwing next year away, right? Which is the right thing to say, but I think the realistic thing is that they're not going to contend next year, and they shouldn't operate as if they are only one or two players away from contending next year. I think they need to set their plan in motion, and if that means taking it back a, a step next year, that's fine if it's part of the overall plan. And I'm and I, as a Met fan. I'm totally prepared for that. And also, after listening to this guy, I'm behind him, and I trust him. I think he's earned the trust of everybody to, to kind of sit back and let's see where he takes this. That's pretty – you said a couple of really exceptional things there for a Met fan. One is that you said you trust management. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why I said that, right. but Good you're right. Good thing the show being recorded. <laughs> All right, that's A, but that that is what he, he brings to the table, though. That is something that he brings to the table. Sandy Absolutely, Alderson. he brings he brings the feeling of he's the he's the calm, you know, fatherly professorial figure. Now, after the chaos that was Omar Minaya, who's like your crazy uncle, you know, who you ask him a question and it's it's like a debacle just trying to get him to answer you straight. Right, if your crazy uncle was also a used car salesman. <laughs> Correct. Right? <laughs> With a lot full of, uh, of Ali Perez's. Uncle, Uncle Omar's junk lot. What's it going to take for me to put you in an Ali Perez today? <laughs> so you get this professorial in charge, I know what I'm doing feel from Alderson. You know what you see a lot? The comment you see a lot is the grown-ups are in charge now. Yes, I've seen that a lot. But the other exceptional thing you said there is that, and and this is uncal like that you'd be okay with next year being a build towards uh, and something like it's okay with you if they're not competitive next year? Yeah, I'm I'm okay with that because I'll tell you what, they haven't been competitive for the last 2 years. But they and, were 70 what were they? 79 and 8. I see I got a bone to pick with this right off the bat. Okay, go ahead. Pick and it. Here's pick why. Away. Here's why. I know they haven't named a manager yet and I know that's key. However, just speaking from a personnel standpoint and what I want to see him do for this coming year, uh huh. get creative. The San Francisco Giants just won the World Series with yeah. Cody Ross yeah. as their cleanup hitter. What else did they win the World Series with? I understand they've got the pitching. But what I'm asking you is, why, why is there not a deal to be made to bring pitching in for the Mets? Well, maybe there is. Maybe there is. So I ask you this, with that in mind, I say to you, sir... <laughs> In a very sing-songy fashion. 
That was sing-songy. Would you be open to trading Jose Reyes? Yes. yes. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna one up you. Let me do one even better. The answer would to this you, next one is gonna be no. Would you trade Jose Reyes? So you have to pick up his option here, right? Right. Which, by all accounts, they're going to do. They're going to, and they'd be stupid not to because it's affordable, right? And uh, he's 27 years old. And then it makes him attractive. Yes. Would you trade Jose Reyes to the Boston Red Sox in a package for, say, Clay Buchholz and Jacoby Ellsbury? Yes. You would do that in a heartbeat? Uh, maybe not a heartbeat. I'd probably gulp first, and then I would pull the trigger. I would do that. Okay. So it, where I'm going with this is, do you see Alderson as the kind of guy who might come in this coming season – Realizing that he's going to put a plan in place, he's going to put a scouting department in place, he's going to ha- try to make the Mets the best farm system in baseball, a feeder system that the Mets have not had since the cash-in days, and make them an organization to envy. I get all that. That's going to take three or four years. Right? He's got David Wright at age 27. He's got... Uh, Jose Reyes, age 27. He's got Jason Bay in the second year of a contract. Uh, uh, the, he's got second year of a four-year contract and a $60 million contract. Jason Bay is not going anywhere. He has Carlos Beltran in a walk year. right? He's got Ike Davis, year two in the major leagues. I'm saying there, there are some pieces there, and that window, Cal, is not huge. Not for these guys, no. Post, the window uh, is running Santana. out. Johan Santana, you don't even know if you're going to get this year. Right, but he's also 32 years old. His window is Absolutely. just about shut. K-Rod apparently is going to be back. Right. Uh, but he's 30 years old or 31 years old. The, the, the windows are closing left and right. Mm-hmm. Or at least getting smaller. If you're Sandy Alderson, do you immediately try to make some sort of trade that brings you some young pitching that's going to make this team competitive this year? If you can be creative enough to do it, I would be all for it. I, but, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, Cal. I think you can. Well, I don't. I don't know that you can. I don't. You know, we 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 tend to value our own pieces higher sometimes. You know, so we Absolutely. we may, we may think that we could get the moon back for a Carlos Beltran, when really you're not going to get much more than a bag of rocks for him. Coming moon off rock. an injury, moon rocks exactly. <laughs> coming off of a coming off an injury. Um, Coming off two years of injury. An $18 million contract. He's 34 years old. Well, you're going to have to pay a lot of it. You are. But you know what? But this is is where my trust of Sandy Alderson comes in. Let me back up to what I had said before. I'm prepared to go into next season not being competitive. Right. But I trust that he's going to do everything in his power to try to make us competitive. There goes money in the kitty. They used the us. Yeah, yeah, she did. I was going to let you get away with it. I'm I'm proud of you. Um, I trust that he's going to do everything in his power to make the Mets competitive this year, but I am prepared for them to not be competitive if it means it's part of the plan that they're going to progress from this year going forward. Well, I want part of the plan to be to win. And I I, I want a 79 and 83 team that had, you know, Jason Bay have a horrible year had, you know, what, 180 at-bats out of Carlos Beltran or 200 at-bats out of Carlos Beltran, uh, you know, that missed Jose Reyes for, you know, 35, 40 games, 
I, I want that team to be competitive. I feel like there's no reason that with a creative deal or two. Now, I'll give you an example. Go One ahead. of the deals, and, and the, the number to call, folks, if you're out there and you want to talk about the Mets or anything else, uh, is 424-220-1817. Call. We'll talk. No big deal. Maybe you've got a creative deal you could suggest. Maybe you've got a creative deal you could. But this, I'm just going to give you an example. We've got plenty of time for hot stove, but Alderson just makes me want to talk about this, and that is somebody brought up the the deal on Mets blog, Cerrone's Met, uh, Matt Cerrone, of course, with Mets blog, does a fantastic job. The place to go for Mets information, I feel. Yeah, we read it 100 right. times a day. Talked about a trade for, like, Ali Perez for Barry Zito. I, I've seen that before. Right. Now that's a that and I'm not saying that deal in particular, but there's deals to be had yeah, out there. That's and you know, I, I was you know, I was talking to my father about this over the weekend and I and that, I actually brought that deal up because we were talking about what if they make deals where they trade albatross for albatross? And who knows? Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and you bring another team's albatross in and a change of scenery does that guy good. Exactly. You're still paying the same amount of money, but you're not. But you know you're not getting anything out of the albatross you have. You know, it's like the, more, devil, it's like more, the devil you know, and you know. And more importantly, that albatross you have is a symbol, cloaked in failure for your fan base. Exactly. It is. It is the epitome of the failure of the last two years and the previous regime. And he needs to, Luis Castillo. We're looking at you. As Matt Silvestri would call him. No, but it, you know, a guy like Castillo Perez or Ali Perez are absolutely symbols of the failure of the previous regime. If you have to take back Azito, so what? He's got to be better than Ali Perez, and you need pitching. Exactly. I'm just saying. I think there are creative deals to be had. Now, well, now before you before you go to my now, here's your now, right? <laughs> now. So confused. Now. Now. Carlos Beltran. Is he a symbol, just like Oliver Perez and Luis Castillo? Only if you say it like uh, <laughs> uh, Miller, Joe Miller. <laughs> what's his name? Larry Miller. What's Car- his name? John, John Miller. Johnny Miller. Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran. And here comes Carlos Beltran. Uh, Carlos Beltran, yeah. as we say here in New York. Beltran. Beltran. Uh, Beltran. Oh, you're doing Beltran. I don't know what you're going to do with Carlos Beltran. I just think that there's creativity to be had there. Yeah, but that's my point. Is, is he is he in the same boat as a as a Castillo or a Perez in that he is he he could be an albatross with that contract, and is he also a symbol of the previous regime? See, to me, no. I think he's unfairly been lumped with those guys. I really do. I I, I don't think Carlos Beltran has been stealing money from the Mets. I agree. I think Carlos Beltran, if you look at his, and I had this argument with somebody recently, but if you look at his Mets contract, now the last two years he's been hurt. Uh, but if you look at the first, next year will be the sixth year of that deal, Cal, or the fifth? This year will be the seventh. Seventh year of the deal. So if you, they've gotten four out of six good years. And I know his first year he only hit two, he only hit 16 home runs and hit 270 or whatever. That's a bad year. They've gotten three out of six. But, they, but that's not a bad year, though, Cal, his first year in New York. And that was a winning team. 2005 was on a winning team. Did they improve in 2005? Did they have a winning record? Did they? Yeah, yeah. I believe they did. I believe they did. You're right. But uh, the point is, okay, so you've gotten one mediocre year, three stellar years. 
I mean, three fantastic years where he's the best center fielder, arguably the best center fielder in baseball. Yeah, he doesn't get enough credit for that. And hit 40 home runs in Shea. Right. Which was nearly impossible. And then you've got two years... Right. And then you've got... (laughs) (laughs) What are you trying to say? And then you've gotten two years back-to-back where he's been injured. Right. Okay, so have you gotten the return on the investment? No, but if this guy, who's only 33... He's only 33 years old. No, but that's that's the age of each knee, I think. That's correct. You know? That's 66 years between the two. No, but he, Cal, he's in a contract year. How many times have we seen it? I Listen, I, I agree, Steve. I, I agree with every... Yeah. I don't think he's one of those guys. I, I don't think he's a Perez or a Castillo. I think he's uh, I think he's the kind of guy that can have a very good year, can have a bounce back year. for the, Now, maybe I'm wearing the Met colored glasses. Now, listen, I agree with everything that you're saying about him, but... The fact remains that in my mind, when I look at Carlos Beltran, I'm going to think Omar Minaya. Mm, that's I, fair. I'm just going to associate him with him, fair or not, you know, fair to fair to Beltran or not. Right. I don't know if I do. I, I, I don't know if it extends past uh, Castillo and, and Perez to me. The, I mean, those guys, you know, are the epitome. Can't use epitome again. That's twice uh, of the Manaya regime. I mean, I think it two, extends, those are the two worst con. The, the, the contract he gave Beltron to me was not bad, Cal. I, no, I agree with you. It wasn't bad. And we all, at the time, if you remember, going back seven years, we all knew that we were going to wonder how that contract was going to play out at the end. Were we going to yeah. regret it at the end? But I think he earned his money for at least half of that contract, if not more. Well, And we thought we'd be... You know, especially after 06, we thought we'd be toasting multiple championships. Right. That was not to be. But if you look at his Met numbers, he came to the Mets in 05, and and he he had a 266, you know, 16 home runs, 78 RBIs. But if you look at 06, 07, and 08, Cal, those are stellar years. Of course they were. I mean, those are big-time years. And, you know, he, he, he played 81 games last year in 09. So he played half the season. And he hit 325 with 10 home runs and 48 RBIs. I mean, he, he was having a and 50 runs scored. He was having a fantastic season last That's year. That's not bad either. In in the new city field where you can't throw the ball out of the ballpark. Right. And he and played he most of that season hurt too. And the he 81 games on, he played. On, yep, he's playing on two bad legs. I don't think Beltron deserves that, and I think he can have a year. Uh, I think he can have a comeback year because he wants another another contract, but. I think, I, and the last thing I'll say on Beltran, I think the approach you take with Beltran, and this is this is what I would do, is you let him play the first half of the year. You let him play for a contract. You yep. get what you can out of him. Maybe he keeps you in the race, and then you see if he's got any value at the trading deadline. And then you deal him at the at the August thirty first trade deadline. I totally I, agree. I think that that's how you have to approach it. And and let's also, lastly, Cal, with Beltron, remember that he was the only guy that did anything about Chase Utley's cheap slide into Ruben Tejada. That's true. The only guy. That's true. On that whole team, you know, Wright said that it was it wasn't right and he shouldn't do that, and Wright didn't do a thing. And nope. Carlos Beltron, on one knee in a meaningless game, is trying to answer back. That says something to me. He's just he's he's really he's so confounding, Carlos Beltran, when you look at him over the over the seven years that he's been here. On one hand, you think he, he half the time he looks like he's dogging it and he doesn't want to be here. On the other hand, he's doing stuff like that and he's and he's hitting forty two home runs at Chase Stadium. You know, it's 
he just, just you when, scratch your head. You do. Yeah, you're gonna, you're, your gonna, you're really gonna look back on his tenure here and just it's. Weird. And the fights with management about the you know with his agent and the fights with management and yeah. I mean just and then uh, but he didn't he wasn't going to take the curtain call early right. on in his tenure. That's right. He didn't want to take the curtain call and and Delgado made him go out there and weird. Yeah, very odd. Very odd. Well, it's it's certainly going to be an awesome <laughs> to me. It's going to be an awesome uh, hot stove season with the Mets. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see what Sandy Alderson does. Uh, we'll talk about the manager next week, Cal. Uh, they they probably won't have a manager in place, they, they said, for 30 days. However, I do want to mention real quick, and, uh, of course, we have the Swami coming up, and if you want to call in, 424-220-1817, ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete on 11-2-2010. Timestamp! Uh, <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what that is, Cal, a couple weeks ago, told me, we've got to start timestamping the show. Um, did I say timestamp or date? No, timestamp. Did you say dateline? I thought it was date stamp. Date stamp, timestamp. Um, you were like, "What does that even mean?" <laughs> what, am I, what am I, Captain Kirk? What is going on here? Uh, but the Adam Rubin today, uh, who has a a blog on ESPN New York and follows the mess for ESPN New York, Adam Rubin was doing a live chat today, Cal. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked him about Wally Backman. Did you get in on the live chat? Because oftentimes you do with him. I have a lot. I, I, I was not able to today because oh, I was okay. uh, just uh, slammed at the workplace. Yeah, I hear you. But uh, yeah, the old, old man's busting my hump. <laughs> Some old young bucks bucking for a promotion. Uh, what's in the briefcase? Crackers. Uh, you're like Kramer, right, Cal? Yeah. That's right. I don't even work here. <laughs> That, that episode that episode was all like two weeks ago. That's so great. great. Kramer just starts going to the office for no reason. Is that the Pinsky file? <laughs> but Adam Rubin in this chat, somebody asked him about Wally Backman, and he basically intimates that the Mets have information about Wally Backman. Or he didn't even say the Mets. He said organizations sometimes have information on certain guys that may – preclude them from uh, hiring them. Yeah, here, I got. The, I actually got the quote right here. And Let somebody, me have the quote, Cal. Here, somebody asked him, all right, I know some people have said that Backman would not get along with the general manager such as Alderson, but I feel he's ready and perfect for this Mets team. Why don't you think Backman will be the next Mets manager? All right, so that was the tweet or the, the chat. Somebody asked the question. The so Adam, chat, yeah. So Adam, yeah, so Adam Rubin responds, if I can say it cryptically, and right away, when, when somebody starts a sentence that way, <laughs> I don't think it's going anywhere good. If I can say it cryptically, I just think the Mets know things that are not circulated and don't feel comfortable. Okay? Here's quote number two. Ooh. Yeah, he's real, you know. <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat. Dan from if New York asks, with the breadcrumbs you believe the Mets will sp- spend... Oh, I'm sorry. That was the end of the first sentence. It was cut. Right. Okay. Um, can't can't you see how Backman could wind up being his manager selection? Adam Rubin responds, as I mentioned, sometimes organizations know things that are not widely circulated. Oh. And now the the third one. This is all the same. This is all Dan from New York, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and Dan from he, New York. He, he had a big big chat. It was all Dan, Dan Tana on Dan Tana. Twitter, I guess. Yeah, it was kind of 
it was kind of like a personal like chat session between the two of them that we all watched. By the way, Adam, no. <laughs> this is like Sliver. <laughs> I feel like such a voyeur right now. Is that Daniel Baldwin? Oh wait, no, Billy Baldwin. Could be Daniel. one of the Baldwins is in that one. Uh, BTW, by the way, Adam, no hard feelings. I just don't think some of you are being fair to Wally. See you on Twitter. Adam Rubin responds, I don't want to send everyone into a tizzy. Oh, good thing. But, yeah, good thing. Good thing you don't want to do that. Start a phrase by saying, if I can say it cryptically. But you don't want to send the whole, you know, you know that guys on the internet, Met fans and girls, I shouldn't be sexist, no. read this stuff religiously. They go to Met's blog. You don't think for a second this is going to wind up on Met's blog in four minutes? I don't want to send everyone into a tizzy. Too late. But... You hear things that you cannot report, but which point you to a certain conclusion. That's about as best as I can say it now, and I strongly believe Wally Backman will not be the next manager. Go ahead, Steve. Go ahead. I mean, does it get more irresponsible than that? I, if, let's just break down that last sentence. I don't want to send everyone into a tizzy. Good thing. But you hear things that you cannot report, but which point you to a certain conclusion. Then why are you saying this on a chat page on ESPN New York? <laughs> if you can't report it, why are you alluding to it? I know. And I'll tell you why, Cal. Because he, the whole thing with tweeting and internet sports reporting and is to be the guy who gets the scoop. Right. Oh. So now in two weeks when Wally Backman doesn't get the job because something comes out, some skeleton comes out of his closet, yep. Adam Rubin will say, see, I told you all along. That could, Don't get me started on that whole thing because the new trend is I'm reporting that so-and-so is doing such-and-such. Such. You know? Yeah, the, the Twitter reporting. It's, oh, it's horrible. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Right, and you have to be the first to report it. Exactly. And what Adam Rubin is doing here mm -hmm. is, in my opinion, irresponsible. And nobody, as you said, Cal, this is up on the Mets blog in five minutes. I saw this this afternoon. You saw it this afternoon. Okay, we all saw it. And what he's doing is grossly irresponsible, in my opinion. Because, essentially... You know that this is going to go on Mets Blog. Mets Blog is sponsored by SNY, mm -hmm. the radio and TV home of the, or the TV home of the Mets. You know that this is somehow going to get to Mets management. What are they going to say? I know. Do they have to come out and defend Wally Backman? Obviously, they chose the right move to me, which is to ignore it. They've ignored it. I like that. Absolutely, and Backman's ignored it too. Right. Okay, tell me this isn't going to be in the news in the post though tomorrow, Cal. But oh, it, it's go ahead. Right? No, I I can I can see uh, Wally Backman dressed up as a skeleton, like dangling from something <laughs> on the back page of the paper. <laughs> no, it's it's just irresponsible in my opinion because you, you why are you telling us something that you can't tell us? Right. And this is not we're talking about a guy in Wally Backman too, Cal, who. Had the Arizona job in 2004, and as we all know, was fired four days later or five days later mm -hmm. because he was not exactly upfront with some of the transgressions that he had had on his record. Right. There was a, a DUI and there was a domestic dispute that he was not uh, 
not forthcoming enough for Joe Garagiola Jr., uh, then the GM of the Arizona Diamondbacks, and so he lost that job. So Adam Rubin's not talking about a guy who is clean as a whistle and has never had a problem. Right. He's alluding to a guy who has had problems in the past. Well, let me just, real quick, I want to play devil's advocate here, because the, the, the writer, the, the, the person writing in, asked Adam Rubin the question, why don't you think Backman will be the next manager? So what's Adam, if Adam Rubin knows something, what, what, do you, what is he supposed to say in that situation? In my opinion, if it's a story that he can't break, Nothing. then his responsibility there on a live chat online is to say, I don't know, it's just a feeling I have. Okay. Which is what he's been saying all along. Yeah. Well, and right. today he decided to say, if I can say it cryptically. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, that, yeah that's just, come on. Why don't just lead with, if I can be super mysterious here. Psst, don't tell anyone, but... Right, exactly. I know. I'm going to be super mysterious here. You probably don't even care what I'm going to write next. (laughs) I can write anything. Right, I can write. It doesn't even matter, right? If I can say it cryptically, what what I write next has no makes no difference. I mean, it's just it's just and 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 again, Cal. To me, it speaks to the larger problem, especially in sports reporting right now. And ESPN does this all the time. It drives you crazy. If I see Mortensen is Chris Mortensen is reporting one more time, right? So I'm telling you, everybody, everybody, and and you know the sports guys, Bill Simmons talked about this that the LeBron with the decision was the ultimate of this, right? It became like the ultimate where guys just basically saying whatever and hoping to be right. This way they had the scoop, right? Like Stephen uh, Stephen uh, Jackson, what's his name? Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. Stephen Jackson. Oh, that guy. I'm back on my fantasy team. Stephen A. Smith. Basically, staked his reputation on Miami and came up right. Yep. Yeah, and what, what Ruben is doing here, and and uh, we're going to get to the Swami in just a second. But what Adam Ruben is doing here is is irresponsible, in my opinion, Cal. And if it costs Wally Backman the job, ah, uh, that's a, that's a ter- no. Let me ask you one more thing on this, Cal. Okay. Sometimes, as I said, you know, as if I can say, because some the Mets know things that are not circulated and don't feel comfortable. Hold on, I'll tell you. Right, what as I mentioned, sometimes organizations know things that are not widely circulated. Are you looking at it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you hear things you can't report, but which point to a certain conclusion. I strongly believe why. So this has got to be through the Wilpons, right? Sandy Alderson's been here for four days. It's not Sandy Alderson, but I think it's it's it is it is. Clear as day that there is a mole in the organization. Yep, gotta be. I mean, you. I mean, we've been seeing this now for a long time. Now, you, you thought it might have been Omar. It's it, it's clearly not Omar. It, there's somebody that's still within the organization that's feeding this information to Adam Rubin. Absolutely. You know, and my money is on Sandy Alderson sniffing out that mole and putting an end to it quickly. I, I think so too, I, and I think you have to because th- this is really problematic, and it really if it means that Wally Backman's not going to get a fair shake. Uh, now maybe there's something terrible that they don't know about or whatever, but if that's the case, th- did they find out about that after they gave Backman the job with the Cyclones, Cal? I don't know, unless there's something recent. Unless it would have to be something that just happened. You'd like to think that when Wally Backman called Fred Wilpon last year and asked for a job which is what happened, right? 
and and that they didn't know about whatever Adam Rubin is talking about. Here's what I think. What I think has happened is is I think something has happened recently with Wally Backman. The Mets are doing their due diligence, looking into the situation. Okay, they don't want to if if they're not 100 percent sure about what's happened, they're not going to comment. They're not going to take any action with Wally Backman. They're not going to do anything like that. Everything is going to stay status quo. But whoever knows that something has happened has clearly leaked this information to Adam Rubin, who has then been irresponsible to post that in a chat. Right. And, and I th- a, uh, Go ahead, Cal. No, I th- and I think what's going to happen is you're going to see within the next couple of weeks, like you said, the Mets are going to move on, to move on from Wally Backman. They'll relieve him of his duties as Cyclones manager. He yep. will no longer be considered a candidate for the Mets job. And then you may not even hear about what happened. Right. Now, the interesting thing uh, also on Mets blog is Mark Healy tweets yep. at Baseball Digest 9 uh, about what Adam Rubin is talking about. And he says, it's funny because most important people who quote unquote know about Backman keep telling Wally he's still the leading candidate for the job. So uh, now you don't know what to believe. What does that mean? Somebody in the organization is telling him? Right. Somebody in the organization who knows about this transgression of Backman's. Right, is still telling Wally Backman that he's the leading candidate for the job. Next it's, question. The well, next question is: Does Adam Rubin have an axe to grind with Wally Backman? Right. right. It's just it's it's we're, we're going to see who the Mets are going to hire for a manager, and and uh, we've kind of gone off a little bit here on a Met tangent, but we were dying to do so. Uh, but and we're going to see what happens. You know, supposedly they're going to bring in uh, they're going to bring in Wally Backman. They're going to bring in two internal candidates, and they're going to bring in uh, uh, who's the other one early here, Cal? Flynn Hurdle. Clint Hurdle, I believe you're right. Was it Hurdle? Um, oh, no, uh, Chip Hale. Chip Hale. Right. Chip Hale uh, and Wally Backman. The, who, they are uh, they're the two internal candidates. Internal candidates, too. But I think Oberfell gets a, a, a nod. I think uh, Tim Tuffle, our old favorite, number 11, right through the wickets in game one of the World Series in 1986, Timmy Tuffle. Don Wakamatsu. Was the Don other Wakamatsu is being thrown around, which I can't stomach for no and, other reason than it's a very difficult name to say on the air. And the last thing I'm going to say... Can we just call him Waku? Waku. What, what, what do we go with there? It's gonna a very com- difficult name to pronounce. We're going to have to come up with something. Terrible. Waka. I think the man deserves to have us, if he is the Mets manager, say his name. You're right. Wakamatsu. Now, the last thing I'm going to say... Wakamatsu. All right, let me just get it out of the way. Get it out I'm of turning, the way. I'm turning into... <laughs> To Mad Dog with these malprops. <laughs> I, I really am. I'm turning. Boy, Stephen A. Smith, Stephen Jackson. He, the next thing I'm going to be uh, talking about, Kelly Clemens. <laughs> He's never even played it down. Not your quarterback, Kelly Clemens. He's uh, talking about being in hog heaven. Kelly. Oh, my God. I didn't get to hear him today, but from what I understand, he was uh, beside himself. Yes. And of, cor- and of course, uh, Bob Raceman took shots at him all day. Right. Oh, did he really? All day on Twitter. Every you know, every oh, five minutes another shot at, at Mets. On. Yep. Let the guy enjoy it. We're talking about Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who has a uh, syndicated show on Sirius Radio. Used to be a New York sports announcer or a sports talk guy here. Who's a huge San Francisco Giant fan. Yeah. And uh, he's got to be in his uh, his complete glory. I can't believe they did it. All right. Before we move on to the Swami, last thing I wanted to I got to mention this. Yes. Ron Renicky gets the Brewers job today, yet another job that Bobby Valentine was up for that he did not get. Not only did he not get, but he was rumored to have it. Yeah. It was done. 
finished. I'm just saying. I'm reading the tea leaves here. Yeah, you're looking for you're looking to buy a mustache. He wants Sandy Alderson wants a manager who's both fiery and analytical. I know who that is, Cal. <laughs> Bobby V. Yeah, you know me. Let's welcome in the Swami. He's been on hold for an hour and a half. Oh boy. He is probably going to be a bit ornery, but let's welcome the Swam to the show. Count Broccoli, the Swami, welcome. How are you, sir? Hey guys, thanks. I need I needed a nap, and that the last segment certainly uh, helped me wow. in that vein. That is so cool. Uh, maybe we can is... spend maybe we can spend another five or ten minutes talking about oh I don't know more ridiculous stuff. Wally Backman is not getting the job. Everybody knows it. Who's behind the scene? He's allergic to peanuts. <laughs> Didn't he manage a team called the Peanuts? He did manage a team called the Peanuts. That's right. He certainly did. Not only that, he's in the uh, Oregon Hall. He's in the Oregon Hall Sports, of, uh, the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame. By the way, easy for you to say, Swami. What's going uh, on, now? Okay, well, not much. I'm still down here in Arlington. I got a really good rate on a room. Uh, yeah. And I guess I might as well use it now because I don't have anything else to do with my time. I've been yeah. watching the uh, pay TV in the room and thinking about guys like, you know, not to belabor the point that you guys have belabored uh, forever, but, I mean, there's always Lee Mazzilli. You can throw him in there. I don't care. Yeah, I like Chip Lee Mazzilli. Yeah, yeah, Chip Mazzilli. Not, not crazy yeah. about Chip Hill, but Now, you don't have to be crazy. I'm just throwing names out. So did you. Yeah. You know, Terry Collins, yep. you know. Terry Collins is another and, guy, yep. Bob right. There's a, guy, there's a guy living in Bayside now, had a little experience with baseball. Uh, no, no, they probably wouldn't get him. He's busy with radio career. Hey, let's let's get let's get <laughs> down to uh, the reality of the real world, which is why people are probably listening to this show in the first place. That's right. They uh, are listening for your picks. Swami, no, Ruff, not at all. No, 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 not at all. They are... They're actually listening because they like to find out just how badly, you know, I had done. And I don't, I don't take this as a personal thing, but uh, I did not do as good as I would have liked. No, but you know what, Swami, you did get your key pick right. Oh yeah, yes, the Count Broccoli Lock. Broccoli Lock. I got got that in there, and you got to admit, my comments about the Jets were pretty right on point. I said if you can give them a week off. And they remember how to play football. They'll come back and win. But as we all saw, uh, one week away, uh, you have to retrain these these guys. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, especially. So maybe with a little bit of luck, you know, they won't have any more time off until the end of the season. At which time they'll have a lot of time off if they keep playing that way. Oh, there it is. Look at you. Well, I did have to call (laughs) a spade a shovel. Uh, The Jets certainly didn't arrive uh, as a team for the game. No, certainly not. You, uh, you, you, but Dallas, Jacksonville. That was a that was a rough go. Jacksonville. I mean, yes. get out of here. I mean, I thought I thought that there was still a little life, in, in the Tony Romo uh, group. Obviously, they're already uh, choosing their place where they're going to be spending a lot of time playing golf at the end of the season because they're not yes. going to be going to Super Bowl. And their and coach may be caddy. <laughs> <laughs> the coach maybe the caddy. Just as, yeah, he'd probably do just as well there. Yeah. Exactly. Hey guys, uh, you, you think there actually just just quickly? You think there actually is a mole in the uh, the Mets organization? 
I don't think it's I don't think it's a crazy thing to suspect. I think Adam Rubin, especially uh, from ESPNNewYork.com, has uh, sort of done this for a couple of years now, where he's had the you know. No, he I know. I I really don't think I really don't think there is a mole. Okay. Because I've been out to that stadium, and there's certainly a lot of other kind of vermin uh, going around that the moles probably wouldn't take a chance on surviving. But uh, yes, and you were you were just out at that stadium uh, recently, yes, I was. Huh? That's yes, right. You had, had some a, uh, some some official business some, there. Some official business out there. Yes. It was, yes. It was nice well. walking around. It was nice walking around the confines and not getting hit in the head with a beer bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Been hanging out with the Texas Rangers owner again, huh, Swam? There, there you go. Uh, well, let's all right. Get now in, let's get uh, down to business. Nine. Yeah. Now, do you want to stick with the format from last week, Swam, where no, we give you games, that's or you're right. giving let's us stick games? With last week? You guys throw the games at me, and I'll. And I'll uh, do my thing. All right, Cal, I'll go first, okay? Yeah, well, now i got to get the schedule. So now you got to get the schedule <laughs> first. <laughs> Pick a name out of a hat, Cal. You did this right. again. Yeah, he got you again. All yeah. right. Uh, here we go, Swam, Swam Broccoli. I'm going to start you off with an easy one. Oh, the Miami okay, Dolphins. Good. The Miami Dolphins visit the Baltimore Ravens in M&T ah. Bank Stadium, 1 o'clock. Yes, you're right. Well, you know, think about the Miami Dolphins. Think about the Baltimore Ravens. And it sounds like an easy choice, doesn't it? It it Mm. does. (laughs) What is it? (laughs) Well, I I would like to hear what you guys say just just once. Okay, I I will go. I think I like Baltimore in this game at home, even though the Dolphins are 4-0 on the road. Uh, I think they run into a Baltimore team coming off a bye that's ready to play them. Ray Rice healthy. Ah, see, that's the problem. You, 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 I just have to stop you. You hit it right there. Some teams cannot come off these these off weeks. So right. I'm going with Miami. All right, Miami it is. What do you got, Cal? All right, uh, Tampa Bay, best team in the NFC. And the Tampa Falcons? Bay Tampa Bay and the Falcons? Yep. Jeez, I mean, that, that's... Uh, going for uh, the Falcons are playing at home once again. You know, have a tendency to think that uh, they may be bucking into a big problem. So I'm going to go with uh, Tampa Bay. All right, all right. Well, uh, go ahead, Cal. All right, I got another one. Um, the Colts and the Eagles. Oh, Philadelphia. Mm. All right, <clears throat> Let, let's let's use logic here. Uh, Forget statistics, forget gut feelings. The Philadelphia Eagles, Indianapolis Colts. You got to go with the Colts. All right. Excellent. You got the Colts. We're we're, we're taking this down furiously, furiously. I got it, Steve. Go go. Go ahead, go. No, take the next one. I'm writing them down. Okay. Uh, Let's go to. We only have four minutes left. Yes, you're going to hate us for this one, but I got to ask. The G-Men coming off a bye against the Seattle Seahawks in Quest Field in Seattle, the Pacific Northwest Swamp. I'm sorry, I have to do it. No, I I, I can't. I have to. I just just can't. I mean, it's it's the home team for me, and it's just emotional. And I I, I don't want to jinx them if there is such a thing. So you can't do it. He's going to defer. No, I really should. He's going to defer? All right. 
Well, I, you know what? I've never seen the swan back down to a challenge. But the Jets will. I mean, the Giants will win. I mean, that's not a pick. I'm just telling you. Gotcha. Unofficial. Just, just between you Unofficial. and me. Unofficial. All right. What do you got, Cal? All right. I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to nail his lock of the week here. I'm going to go with okay. the Cowboys and the Packers. Oh no. Cowboys and the You would think Dallas sooner or later has got to win. Wouldn't you? One would, one would think. <laughs> Yeah, one would think. I mean, they're the visiting team going into Green Bay. I understand there's, you know, they already have their snow plows out. And uh, all right, it's not going to be my lock of the week, but I'll pick Dallas. Oh wow, okay. You were so all close, right. Cal. Damn. It felt like the lock of the week, didn't it? I was no, hoping. no, no. All right, no. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with. Uh, let's see. Let me see. Let me. How about see. Chicago and Buffalo? I was just about to say, <laughs> we got about 90 seconds left in the show, Swam. So, uh, Chicago, right. Buffalo, in Toronto, uh, north of the border, eh? What's that about? Hey, hey. I'll tell you <laughs> what, uh, it, it's a, an easy game for me to pick. I'll take the Bears, the Bears. You know. The Bears, is that the uh, the yeah, Lockley I think of the there's I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of internal uh, things going on with the Bills, and uh, I think it's going to affect their playing. All right. So that's, uh, and that's the, is that the lock of the week, Count Brock? That's, that's, that's the lock of the week. Even though Excellent. the Patriots over the Browns look pretty darn good. Let's put that in there, too. Let's throw that one in there, too. So we got the no, Patriots no, no, over no, the no. Browns. <laughs> no, no, it's too late. You said it. <laughs> All right, Count Broccoli, Swam, we will talk to you next week. Sorry about the uh, long wait on hold, but, uh, you know, we had to get to all that Met stuff. I like like long-winded, wasted uh, conversation. Have a good week, Wow. Wow. Kill it. Thanks, Mike. All right, that is all the time we have, and apparently we wasted all of it talking about the Mets. (laughs) Uh, Cal, give me a final unload. Final unload, Election Day 2010. It's going to be an interesting next two years. And uh, my final unload is uh, Randy Moss. Thanks for the one week on my fantasy team. Good job. That barbecue could not have been that bad. <laughs> for Brian Calvi, I'm Steve San Pietro, and of course Evan Eisenberg got to raise that. Good night, everybody. All right, that is all the time we have uh, live. But just want to remind you to go to www.rtusports.com and check out uh, some blog spots during the week, and also check out. Uh, some archive shows. You can also uh, download it right to your iTunes player by clicking on the iTunes icon in the right side of the player. Uh, we have a podcast up there. We decided to do uh, our first RTU fun load after hours where we talked about the natural for about an hour and 20 minutes. Just kind of shot it, shot the breeze. Uh, we'll probably be doing another one of those real soon, so check those out. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next Tuesday night, live, November the 10th, 9th, <laughs> 2010. Thanks, everybody.